Welcome everyone, Yasin here, your host, and this is the fourth episode of this uh, podcast series, and today we're going to be talking about how to approach coding and which stacks are for you. Before starting out, I'd like to take a minute to thank you for reading and sharing my last article, which was about the gap between learning code and producing usable software. I honestly never thought it would go this viral. I mean, in fact, we got 13,000 readers, which is crazy given the fact that I just started blogging three days ago. And this is all thanks to you guys, so thanks a lot for sharing. And since we have numerous uh, new members joining the club, Feel free to send me your requests, topics, comments, advice, and I'll make sure to reply to each one of your emails. Without further ado, let's dive right in. Learning how to code can be daunting. The progress is slow, the concepts are unique, and the positive feedback loops that will keep you motivated are hard to maintain. Countless are the articles that will tell you you should learn some framework X because it's the future or master a language Y because it's robust. Personally, I wouldn't have learned multiple stacks going from deep learning to iOS development to Android to game development to cloud services and so on had I found the right source to guide me. And this is what I wish I had known. Before choosing what programming language or framework to learn, Let's establish these first principles. First, think of programming as an investment. Learning programming and taking it to the next level are two different things. This is what you'll be working with for years to come. And the market is competitive, but you definitely have a spot. Obviously, if you work hard and smart enough. You don't need to be a genius, but willing to sit down and work. Had I told anyone I wanted to learn deep learning when I wanted when I was still a freshman with zero experience in coding, they would have laughed. In fact, when you pick a programming language, you'll start building assets. Think of assets as utilities that help you in video games. The harder the level, the more you need them to win fast. Typically, after two or three side projects, you'll be having a folder full of code snippets that will save you hours. In fact, I'm constantly looking at my projects that date to three years ago and even one month ago. No, you don't need to stick with your programming language and you can always bounce off to something else, just not to build up the pressure. That might sound counterintuitive, but at least before switching, you'll have an important cognitive asset the ability to make complex decisions fast and knowing to how to learn the new programming language or framework faster and more reliably. And lastly, apply the same general concepts on the new framework or programming language. However, I don't recommend switching areas frequently unless you have a valid technical reason for doing so. Unfortunately, you can't skip the basics. It's not so fun to hear and I'm fully aware but learning the basics is your first step into programming. Here, you build your tools, learn facts, and polish your skills. Many people struggle with this phase, and when stuck, they think programming isn't just for them. Think of this step as learning how to reason in sequence. The human brain is a supercomputer on steroids, basically. 1 plus 1 appears trivial, since you are looking at an equation from a top view. However, the machine only gets to look at one operand at a time. So you have to declare your intentions first, then tell it what to do with your intentions. 
Finally, you elevate your reasoning by solving a real-world problem using an algorithm, which is just a set of instructions. I hope it makes sense. Again, it does not have to be daunting or scary. As I always say, take an hour or two each day and learn at your own pace. Don't compare your progress with others because chances are you'll feel overtaken. And there is no room for intelligence or stupidity in learning code. Only actions and results. To close off this first part, I invite you to experiment and try whatever works for you. This isn't the absolute truth on how to learn how to code. If the analogies aren't that practical for you, then great. Set your own. If my logic is flawed, then also great. Rethink yours. It's always great to experiment. Now that I said the initial expectations, let's get you started with choosing the right platform. First, let's start with gaming. Now, for gaming, there are multiple things to consider. You want to go directly for Unity. Unity is the software that you use to build games. And this is your friend. I still remember the day I decided to make games and become a game developer. The language is C-sharp and unbelievably easy to learn. Now, some people prefer using Xcode, but the, the software is platform restricted. And from my experience, I found it a thousand times easier to learn game development on Unity than Xcode. Even performance-wise and UX-wise, I always found Unity way better than Xcode. Also, it is important to consider that the game engine, Unity, does the heavy lifting for you. You tell the objects to move by a given speed and whether you, they can collide or not. And there you go. The embedded physics kick in. You'll have a huge boost by learning design using Blender as well. I often found myself struggling to find assets. Sometimes they are paid, sometimes they are free. But if you are considering game development the serious way, I definitely recommend that you either team up with a designer or you learn design yourself. Now, nevertheless, it's not required, but there will be instances when you wish you'd known how to design. You can compile your game for whatever platform, desktop, consoles, web, mobile, etc. And I embedded a link in the equivalent newsletter so that you get to check out all the platforms that are supported by Unity. The industry is competitive as well and requires a lot of discipline since you'll be working long hours. Some like it, some don't. It's up to you to decide. Also, you are restricted a bit in terms of employment. There are only as many game development companies out there, and if you don't like the domain anymore, you'll need to learn another skill instead of just reusing what you already know. Game physics are annoying sometimes. However, the more you learn, the easier they get. Classic debugging scenario, basically. Game development is inherently time-consuming, given the small details to address. Also, often you'll get unwanted guests, bugs. The combinations of physics are near unlimited. Sometimes you'll find yourself debugging for five hours a small bug that you simply can't fix. In this scenario, you can't get help from someone you know or revert back to online forums. No, you won't make easy money with game development and it will take a bit of time to learn how to make smooth, flawless mechanics. So, if you are doing it just for the money, maybe you want to save yourself the frustration. If you are doing it by passion though, by no means try it out.
you'll have so much fun creating weird games. I mean, I did it myself. Let your imagination go wild. It only gets better from there. Now, if you consider competitive programming, then here is how to approach it. Simply practice plus resilience. Back in freshman year, I decided to dive into competitive programming, and it sounded nerdy and cool. I finished the cracking um, the coding interview by Google, which contains 150 programming interview questions. I noticed slight progress given the giant amount of work I had to endure for a full summer. If you want to make money through this, then you sure love making money the hard way. But it's doable. Nevertheless, this is a great way to get into big techs if you rank top in programming contests. You only remember as much as you practice, though. The hidden trump card about competitive programming isn't the difficulty of the problems, but how prepared are you? You don't have to remember how you solved a problem, but where you missed. If you stop practicing, you'll feel you lost that cognitive prowess that helped you draw links between multiple parts of the question. More often than not, the standard programming language is C++ for information, and Python is on the rise too. Now, say you want to learn mobile dev. Basically, going obviously for Android or iOS development is up to you to choose. Personally, I prefer coding for iOS because it feels much cleaner, because back in Android, I had to deal with preliminary problems like fixing Gradle after an update to just get the project going. And Gradle is basically, think of it as the brain of the project where you get to install the dependencies and the packages and setting some basic settings for the project. Also, if you mess with it, then you are getting into a spaghetti mess. Also, I felt that Android was a bit messy to code for in a native language, so I switched back to iOS also. iOS is also more restricted. You need to pay $100 a year for the, the Apple developer program, and you need the membership if you want to include advanced features in your apps, such as deep links, notifications, background activity, etc. Now, Android, on the other side, you pay $25 for a lifetime membership. You submit as many apps as you want and no one is restricting you in any way. You have a wide audience of developers and potential users waiting for your app, but on the other side, you aren't competing with more people. By now, you might think, isn't there a way to just code for both platforms at the same time? Well, luckily, there is a way, and that is through a framework. I learned both Android and iOS development, and now I'm switching completely to Flutter. And I'm going to be talking about Flutter more on the last uh, part of the podcast. Using a framework helps with coding for multiple platforms using the same code base, or almost the same code base. You don't want to do double the work, obviously, and maintaining just one app needs many people. It's not a matter of competency, but resources. If I judge by my own skills, I don't need anyone that is technical on my team. But often than not, I need many people to help me out because there are multiple details to take care of. Generally, app developers have a more favorable edge in the job market. Mobile users are on the rise and according to bankmysell.com, 3.5 billion people are using their smartphone and it's only been growing to date. Now, career-wise, you can work anywhere from the comfort of your home. Also, I mean, it's obvious given the current circumstances. You'll progress quite fast if you know what you're doing. 
salaries are on the rise too, and the benefits are staggering. Finally, you're not li limited to some predefined companies. You can work for startups, freelance, build your own projects, and so on. Get creative. This area is getting more and more competitive though, and there is a slight switch that is happening, which is the move to software development kits, basically frameworks, aka Flutter, React Native, etc. Instead of paying a full-stack mobile dev to write code for one platform only, you can have the same code base for multiple platforms, especially now with Flutter. Now, speaking from the web development point of view, web dev is also in some serious demand. Here, you don't have a predefined programming language because you can literally combine multiple ones. For example, HTML plus CSS plus JS, short for JavaScript. I never wanted to learn web development because of JavaScript. Spaghetti language, I'm sorry guys. Also, the idea of learning multiple languages to do one thing never made sense to me. However, in your case, this isn't a problem anymore. If you are really passionate about creating websites or web apps, you can go for frameworks such as React.js or Flutter. And the only thing is Flutter is still in beta. And you are sorted for life. In case you are worried about the no-code tools or the website builders, no, you don't need to worry about them. These can only help as much. And if you want to focus on the backend, which is basically the when the work behind the scenes, servers, technical logic, business logic, etc., you are in a much, much better position given that each use case is different. And for a no-code tool to handle that, it's pretty unreasonable. Also, web development is a dimension in itself. I'm not a web developer and don't want to snap off someone else's advice. But what I can say is going down the framework path, React or Flutter, is probably the most profitable way, time-wise. Now, regarding deep learning, and this is the holy grail of technology. You don't necessarily need to learn how to code deep learning. But I felt the need to address the topic since there is little info out there about what it's like to be a deep learning engineer and is also often confused with coding and data science. Now, Python and frameworks are enough. You don't have to learn deep learning, neither how the internal mechanism works. However, it helps to know what type of neural networks is used for what and obviously some hyperparameter tuning to make your training better. If you don't understand what I'm talking about, that is totally fine. If you are really interested about doing a lot of math and statistics and all that, go for deep learning. Currently, some services based on AWS and other cloud providers do the work for you. They not only optimize the best set of parameters, but also find the most optimal neural network model for your specific use case. And obviously, if you have the computing power, you can use just frameworks that make use of your local GPU. At some point, there was a lot of hype about this, and many people confused it with data science, even though there are, these are two different areas. There are some robust frameworks out there that will help you train your model. Chances are, you'll find the full algorithm for your intended use case online, either under the form of a tutorial or contests on Kaggle.com. I generally prefer using Kaggle.com just because I, found, I find um, optimized models already out there and I will just copy-paste the same use case. Unless I need to build my own deep learning model, then this is another story. Now, 
deep learning sounds great and advanced, but it's not coding. You'll be doing a lot of analysis, probability, statistics, and research. As a data scientist, though, you'll mostly process the data into a clean format for the machine learning engineers. But it really depends on the company, how they define data scientists and all that. It's debatable. I advise you to read more on both areas further. I just brushed over the topic given its complexity. All right, now my last thoughts. My own opinion and what I would have done differently had I known all of this information beforehand. So Google launched its framework Flutter in May of 2017 and Flutter, as I just said, is a development kit that helps you write the same code base for multiple platforms, phones, um, desktops, web, and all that. So the framework is ready for production for iOS and Android already. However, it's still in beta for web and alpha for desktop. Personally, I would have gone straight for Flutter and learned the inside outs and became one of the best at it. That being said, the framework offers incredible flexibility and a fast development environment. There is also a huge community behind it. I mean, obviously Google. Some people might argue that React is better and stable, but it's a matter of what language you are most comfortable working with really, and what type of investment you prefer also, long-term or short-term. If you prefer a short-term um, investment, you wanna go with React Native. Otherwise, just go with Flutter. I'm getting familiar with the framework to learn web development. I'm talking about Flutter and it's far from ready and I know that but I see it as an investment in the future and you can do so too. To conclude, whether you are going for web or mobile, I highly recommend going down the framework path. Knowing multiple stacks is great but mastering one is even better. Thank you so much for sticking with this episode till the end. I intentionally made it long to cover the most used cases out there and given that many people are lost and I really hope you find your answer here. Shoot me an email if you have anything to say, comments or requests. I'll be happy to reply. And thank you so much for listening again. In the meantime, you can comment and share with your friends. Also consider subscribing if you're not. This way, you're going to be getting my latest updates by email. See you soon. Bye-bye.